great to be here tonight. What a blessing to be at this place, to see friends that I've known for many years, some I was with just recently, to get to see again in this great state of Arkansas and in the city of Little Rock. I'm thankful to the leadership here for putting this weekend together. I know it feels good to get back some sense of normalcy, just meeting like this and singing and studying, and it means a great deal to me. I'm thankful for the opportunity and the time. As we go through this weekend, there are two lessons that we, Lord willing, will get to discuss tomorrow, and they are heavily focused upon you. You get to think about you, not all weekend, but tomorrow you do, because those lessons are incredibly heavy on the end of self-evaluation. Looking to yourself to answer a couple of really important questions, like, I know you're at least kind of in, because you're at church on a Friday night. But are you all in? What does all in look like? When you evaluate your inness, are you completely surrendering? We'll talk about that. And then we'll look at who or what is at the very center of each and every decision that you make. And so a lot of looking inwardly. And to set that up a little bit, we're going to do some of that tonight. So we'll begin that journey. I know we have some who don't live real close and they may not be here tomorrow. So I want tonight's thought and study to kind of be self-contained. So we'll put one thought together to leave you with tonight, and it begins in this way. There are three categories of people on the face of this earth. On the one end of the spectrum, there are takers. Takers, by rule, are not very good people. Takers are not compassionate. They don't have a lot of sympathy for others. They're constantly looking out for whom? For themselves. They're all about themselves, and they're only involved passionately in things that mean more for themselves. They simply want to gather and take, and they usually don't even care who they hurt. In fact, there's some weird thing that goes on in the mind of a taker where they actually feel like they are entitled to what belongs to someone else. It's strange the way that that works. And so they would say, what's mine is mine, And what is yours, if given any viable opportunity, shall also become mine. Takers are not good. If you are a taker, you must end up on this front row tonight. You do not want to face Jesus as a taker, but I do believe they're a fairly small percentage of our world. But on the other end of the spectrum, and maybe you can guess this, if there are three categories of people and those are takers, on the other end are givers. Givers are the best. Givers are the complete opposite of what we just described. Givers are sympathetic. Givers see things from other people's perspective. They have a sensitive heart. They are compassionate. They actually, see if this resonates with you, they draw value in their lives by what they are able to do for other people. They never ask What will this cost me if I do it? They ask, what will it cost them if I don't? Isn't that amazing? Givers are constantly sacrificing things like their money. They're constantly giving up of their money. They give up of their time. They give of their energy. They feel compelled to. Givers are tremendous. In between those two, there is what I estimate to be a very large section. If I was going to put this in a a guess as to what our world is like, I'd say you have a small collection of takers and a small collection of givers and a whole lot of keepers. You guys know about keepers? 
It's pretty simple with keepers. Now, let me be clear. These are dispositions. They're not all the time absolute. So, so keepers sometimes take and keepers occasionally will give. But for the most part, a keeper's mentality is what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. Well, there we're Americans, we're capitalists. We say you go out, you work hard and you get things for yourself. And I'm praying for you. I would never take from you. I'm praying for you that God blesses you and that your hard work pays off and you better work hard. That's the only way you get paid. And you just do all these things. And I'm going to go out and do that. And in the end, I'll keep what I get because God gave it to me. And you take what you've got and everything will just be fine. We'll all be happy and we'll drive really nice cars. Now, I have a question for you. Which one of these three categories best describes you? While you're thinking about that, let me give you a couple of pieces of information, one of which I've already let you in on, and that is there are a whole lot more keepers in the world than everybody else. So if you identify as a keeper, you are not unique in that way. You would fit into the majority. That's the first thing I would tell you. The second thing that I will tell you is that the man you see standing before you tonight is by predisposition a keeper. That's the way I think. I save, I work, I have some money and a home and a family because God blessed me and I worked hard and I really hope you get all that stuff too. But for the most part, I'll stay here and you stay there. If I don't let Jesus work in my heart and if I'm not super intentional about the Holy Spirit living in me, more on that tomorrow, that's where I would be. Is that you too, maybe? The question is, what does Jesus have to say about that? You might find it interesting that Jesus doesn't say a lot about takers because they're rotten and everybody kind of knows they're rotten and he just calls them names like rotten. But he has a lot to say about the rest of us. Would you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10, there's a parable that we know pretty well. Luke chapter 10 tells about the man on the side of the road left half dead, and ultimately about a good Samaritan who stops to help him. And this parable comes on the heels of this lawyer, verse 25, inquiring about who gets to go to heaven, which to me is a very important question, verse 25. Whether he's asking it facetiously or he's trying to trap Jesus or he has integrity, I like the nature of the question. Who's going to heaven? And Jesus is like, who do you think's going to heaven? And he said, well, people who love God and love their neighbor. Well, that's exactly right. It is those people. And then he comes back and says, who is my neighbor? And then a story commences. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to read the story. It begins in verse 30. It'll conclude in verse 37. And, and while you may still be thinking about which one of the three you are, I want you to see if you can find all three categories of people in this short story. Not the guy in the ditch. He's the object of the affection or lack of affection of others. But there are takers there are keepers and there are givers in this story. So let me read it for you. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, 
he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Jesus asks, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, well, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Okay, reading from the New American Standard, by the way. First of all, did you identify all three categories in the story? We don't talk a lot about the robbers, but there are your takers. The story begins with robbers who want what doesn't belong to them and they see a man who has it. And so they don't care what happens to the man. They, they don't care. They just want what he has and maybe he dies and maybe he, who cares if he dies or he doesn't die. I got what I wanted. But Jesus isn't telling the parable to talk about those people. Who are the givers? It's the one, isn't it? Look with me at the end of the text, and I just want you to be honest. Can we just all kind of have like a little honesty check tonight? Just a little honesty check. You know, it's just you, me, Holy Spirit, Jesus, God. Like, I'm going to read to you. I told you there aren't many givers. Did I tell you that? There aren't, it's a kind of a slivery thing. Can I show you what givers look like? And I want you to be going, is that me or am I something else? First of all, he felt compassion. That's an emotion. That's important. Then he, he went to him and he put in some effort and he bandaged up his wounds and he took his own oil and his own wine and he, he put them on the man's wounds. And then he put him on his own, his own beast, camel, horse, whatever. He put him on it and, and he brought him to an inn. And it says four really important words. He doesn't even know the guy and he took care of him. Comes back the night, and you know, that would have been a lot, by the way. That's a lot. That is a lot. I would say he's, a, he's an A-plus giver, but he's not even done. The next day, he takes out two days' wage. What's a day's wage for you? He took two of them, and he just says, hey, take this, care for this guy, and when I come back, I'll pay you whatever. Now, this, of course, was after he vetted the man to make sure the man believed the same things he believed, to make sure the man had at least the potential to pay him back. No, he didn't do any of that. That's the point of the story. And, and I've got to be honest, as many times as I read this story, that's just not me. It's not me unless I give Jesus some power over my life. It's just not going to be me. Who am I? I am the keeper. Did you see them? There's two keepers in the story. The keepers are described as a priest, verse 31, and a Levite, verse 32. And it's kind of like an SAT question, all priests or Levites, not all Levites, I get that right, not all Levites are priests, but I'll tell you this about them. Priests' job was to serve God and God's people. Priests were servants by occupation, by livelihood, and Levites, who are also priests, they were the Bible thumpers. Don't ask the Levites to quote a passage, they can quote that passage. They knew the word. These two men knew the word, they knew it really, really well. But when it was time to live the word, and you can't live the word and keep it. You can't live the word, keep it. 
When it was time to give it, they took all of their learning and all of the verses that they had, could quote and all of the sermons that the priests had, had presented and they just stayed on the other side of the road. But I bet they prayed for the guy. That's, that did it. A notorious telltale, tale, whatever sign of a keeper is they do a lot more praying for people than being the advocate through whom the prayer is answered. Does that make sense when I say it out loud? These men were unable to do that. And so what I want you to consider here is which one describes you and describes me. Because I'm going to tell you something about the, the church. Here's a preacher going, let me tell you about the church of the 21st century in America. This can't go well. For a couple of solid generations now, we in the churches of Christ have become well known for what we don't do. I can tell you a lot of things we don't do. I can tell you things we don't do in worship and we don't do in the world. We become known as don't doers. And in truth, when it comes to serving, when it comes to taking money out of our pocket, going here, or taking someone out for a meal, or giving up our time. I'm afraid we've bought in to our own propaganda, and we don't do. And Jesus is saying, knowing what to do, and preaching what to do, and quoting what to do is not doing it. We have to decide who we want to be. Now, maybe I could come back and water this down a bit and go, okay, let me see how I've got this laid out. I've got, uh, got takers. Those are just awful, you know. And you've got givers, and those are, I mean, those are so precious. And it's almost like you search your mind and go, who are, who? I think I know a few of those. And then you have all of us kind of uh, stingy ones in the middle. And I guess what I could tell you is that in the Bible, in Matthew 7, good news, Jesus says, few will be lost. I think I got this right. I got this right. Few will be lost and many will be saved. Narrow is the way to damnation because you would need to rob and steal and take and kick while they're down. And wide is the way to salvation because you can walk on whichever side of the road that you want and you can keep what's yours and you can pray for people. But I'd be totally wrong about that. So why would we as God's people accept a premise that we know is incorrect? When Jesus actually said, narrow is the way to life. Narrow and straight and challenging. And I'll tell you in America, you say, what makes the way narrow and challenging? What makes it so hard? Are you ready? You have to give something that's yours to someone else. That's really hard for us. We're Americans. We mostly vote with the elephant and capitalism and we just are, we just, we earn things and we work hard and they're ours. It's a very hard road for somebody who's worked hard to have their home to just open that home and let people come into it. To take money that you worked really hard for and just say, here, I don't really know you, but I think I can help you and not be judgy. Man, how many questions we run people through before we give them $10, you know? You promise you're gonna come to church on Sunday? Here you go. I, I see where I need the Lord to have better control of my life. And it is easily weighed by that which is mine that has continued to be mine, that needs to be given. You know, we talk about at home a lot in Lindell, we talk about evangelism a lot. 
talk a lot about evangelism. We're doing this whole thing right now. We're trying to work on church culture and, and all this. But, but the only way evangelism works is if you cross the road, you know? Like, you got to cross the road. You got to go, hey, look at that, and cross the road. And, like, give attention and give time and, and give you know, an ear to listen and to like decide that today I've got this schedule and I got all the stuff I'm going to do today to keep everything. And you got to go forget about it. I think I can help this person. And I don't know what fell first. And I don't want to talk in church wide increments, but I don't know what fell first in the life of conservative Christians. Was it our mouth to share the gospel or was it our wallets to share $10? I don't know what we lost first, but I feel like we've lost both. It is time. I got good news. You're like, wow, this was great. Thanks for coming. Wonderful. I have super good news. I have great news. And I was going to save it to the very end, but I might forget to say it. So I'm going to say it now. There is nothing that you are being challenged to do tonight that you don't already have the means to do. I mean, just think about that. Like, if the objective is to stop being a keeper, it's not like, oh, I got to go out and find it first. I got to go make it first. I got to go. No, like, you've already got it. You've got the gospel, you've got some nice things, you've got a little bit of time and a little bit of energy. I think it's just really amazing that Jesus isn't asking you to give what you don't have. He's asking you to give what he gave you. And and if I could just add a little bit more seriousness to this, you're like, no, please don't add any more seriousness to this. I would ask you to go to Matthew 25. Anytime I try to talk my way out of this, and I, I give myself, I promise you, and maybe this is a mistake in preaching, I never stand in front of a group and go, hey, you really need to think about this unless I've spent a lot of time sitting by myself thinking about this. And I've given myself the exact same pep talk I just gave you guys and read this and I've got all this marked and I'm, all the things that we're doing. And then I go out and I get a little bit better, you know, and I go, okay, tomorrow's gonna be a better day. Tomorrow I'm gonna hand out a card and invite somebody and I'm gonna go out of my way and I'm gonna buy this guy's lunch and, and I'm gonna try to do this. I'm gonna stop judging people. Thank the Lord he didn't judge me and all that stuff. But then, you know, like a few days pass. It's like, eh, you know, I'm back in keeper mode because it's my comfort zone. But you know what's helped me a lot? is what Jesus said in Matthew 25. You know, I, I want to go to heaven, you know, and, and Jesus is going to come back one day, and when he comes back, I think it's just pretty amazing in Matthew 25 that he says, okay, guys, you want to know what's going to happen when I come back? I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen when I come back. When I come back, I'm going to draw a separation. It's not going to be three categories. It's not this one, this one, or this one. There's just going to be two categories. And on my left will be these goats, and they're not going to enter in. Many of them will call my name and not be allowed in. And on this side are going to be the sheep, and I'm going to gather the sheep to me. And and then he says, hey, I'll let you in on a secret. I'm going to tell you exactly who it's going to be. And then he draws a contrast. Does anybody know? You know our three words. Takers, keepers, and givers. He draws a contrast between two of them. Which two does he contrast in the judgment scene? He didn't talk about takers. Takers, takers. takers are lost. Everybody knows it. He contrasts these two. Let me show it to you. In Matthew chapter 25, uh, after he says all that about the separation in verse 33, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now I'm gonna read this to you. And I don't want anybody to feel bad about yourself. I want you to feel motivated. 
I want you to feel like the Lord is leaning on you tonight to get up tomorrow and to say, I want to be ready for the judgment. And if it comes down to the judgment and Jesus says, I'm not going to judge you on where you went to church. I'm not going to judge you on what you believed about this. I'm not going to judge you on any of that. I'm only going to judge you on this. I want you to be ready. I want to be ready. I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You brought me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you in any of these situations? We don't remember seeing you hungry or feeding you or thirsty. We never considered you, verse 38, to be a stranger and invited you in or naked and clothed you or sick and in prison or any of it. The king said, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. What is that? What was that? Those are givers. Those are givers. Givers see needs and fill them. Givers gauge their value by how many people they help, not just how many people they pray for. And Jesus is saying, that's what I'm gonna do. On the last day, I'm just gonna be like, hey, can we talk about the people that you helped? Can we talk about the people that you gave to, that you went out of your way for, that you taught, that you did this? And then he's gonna say, that's how I'm going to determine it. Now we can dissect this idea of brothers of mine. What do you mean by brothers of mine? Do you mean the nation, the nation of the Jews? Or do you mean some guy in the ditch? Or do you mean a Christian? Or how faithful do they need to be? Be careful. Oh, please. Please, please, please be careful culling candidates for compassion. The people who are worthy of our compassion are every single person who needs our compassion. They're the ones who are worthy. And then he he says, okay, let me tell you about the other side. I mean, I want to know about this. Who's not going to be saved? He said to to the others on the left, he will say, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry. He didn't give me anything to eat. He didn't steal their food, just didn't feed them. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you walked on the other side of the road, if you will. I was naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer. And I mean, they're gonna be screaming when they do it. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not, I mean, they're crying, they're going to hell. He will say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life. I'm on a mission and I wanted to share it with you. I wanted to say I want to be defined by what I give, but want is not an appropriate word. I need to be defined by what I give. Brethren, we got to get past this. Well, we'd love to help these brethren, but just watch your B-U-T on that. Well, this person uh, may could use my time, but I don't know. Listen, I would rather give, sacrifice, help, and it all be abused and distorted than to have faced Jesus And him having put someone in my life who needed me, and I decided they weren't worthy because that's what he's going to decide to. So I told you what I was. I'm a keeper. I have to change. I have to change. I must change. There's more we could say. Our time is up, but we could talk about Jesus. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus was a giver?
He had so much. He should have just kept it, shouldn't he? I mean, think about it. Jesus was in heaven, and he had this great life, and then he just gave it up because he loved people who did not love him. Let's be more like Jesus, you know? Tomorrow we're going to get to talk about sort of the behind-the-scenes things that can help, but for tonight I want you to think about what he was willing to give. If you're a taker or a keeper, repent to the Lord. Work on your heart, but, it, but just know that it's hard to overcome your predispositions. But that's kind of what Christianity is. It's overcoming our nature to be like Jesus. Maybe tonight you want to repent before the Lord or you want to give your life to Christ. That opportunity belongs to you right now as we stand together and we sing.